0: I wonder if you've ever heard somebody cry out and that sound stick with you. I can still remember a cry of help that I once heard from somebody I couldn't see, the other side of the River Trent that got me calling the police as fast as I could. I can still remember the cry I heard trying to sleep on the floor of a hospital delivery room where my wife was definitely not in labour but I was listening to the person next door who definitely was. There are some cries that we hear that just stick with us, that are etched into our memories. And this afternoon I want us to spend our time considering that cry of Jesus on the cross, to go deep into those two words, my God. So etched were they on the minds of those who were there uh, that, that Jesus' cry has been passed down in, in the language it was spoken in, in Aramaic. The way Jesus would have cried it: "Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani," my God, my God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried out in a loud voice: "My God." My God, why have you forsaken me? This is one this wasn't like the kind of loud shout you might do when you see somebody walking down the other side of the road and you want to grab their attention. This is not a simple shout. This was a cry of agony. This was this was a scream of overflowing pain and emotion. This was a cry that would have never been forgotten by anybody who was an eyewitness of the cross. And it's written down for us, so that we should never forget it. I wonder what you're like when you stub your toe. If you're anything like me, you hop around the room, probably making more drama than you need to, clutching your toe, going, my toe, my toe. And if you think stubbing your toe is painful... Lift your eyes again to Jesus on the cross. A crown of thorns digging into His head. Yet Jesus does not cry out, "My head, my head." Jesus had nails through His hand. Yet we don't find Him crying out uh, through His hands, um, "Crying out, my hands, my hands." See, throughout the physical pain of uh, Jesus' experience on the cross, we, according to Matthew, we're, we're not told He spoke. As Matthew writes it, Jesus has said nothing since he answered Pilate's question hours earlier. When Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, replies Jesus. Then Pilate asked him, Do you not hear the testimony they're bringing against you? And we're told, But Jesus made no reply. But now in verse 46, he cries out, My God, My God, this isn't simply an overflow from physical pain. For on the cross, Jesus is going through so much more than just physical suffering. Something far worse than the pain of the thorns in his head and the pain of the nails in his hands. In fact, I don't know if you noticed it as, as I read it, Matthew is very sparing on the details about crucifixion. He essentially just says they crucified him. The details of that aren't there, but Matthew goes for other details. He sees that other things matter. Things like the time it was when Jesus cried out. Have you notice that verse 46 again. About three in the afternoon. Why do we need to know what time it was? Well, because Matthew wants us to to link back to what he's just told us in the previous verse, in verse 45. Where it says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. Darkness, not just a bit gloomy like it is today. Darkness, not just for a moment, but for several hours. Darkness again and again in the Bible is a sign of God's displeasure. You read the Old Testament prophets, again and again, darkness and particularly darkness in the middle of the day is is a is an image of God's coming judgment. In fact, Jesus himself, earlier in Matthew, talks about the day of God's judgment in these terms, quoting Isaiah thirteen: "The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light." The stars will fall from the sky. On the cross, God's judgment is being experienced by Jesus ahead of time, ahead of the final day when everything will be seen for what it is, when evil will be cast away, when everything that is wrong will be undone and everything will be made new. So, Jesus' cry of my God is a cry in the darkness, in the darkness of God's judgment against human sin. In the darkness of God's judgment against our sin. The darkness of God's judgment on my sin and yours. I wonder if someone writes of Jesus Christ, I do not think that the records of time or even eternity contain a sentence more full of anguish. If I walk up Gorby Lane later on and someone I've never seen says to me, I never want to see you again, I'm going to be taken aback. I'm going to be upset. But how much more if, as I leave this church building later on, one of you says that to me? Or how much more when it's said by a close friend? Or by my child? Or by my wife? Jesus, the only sinless one, the one for, for whom his whole life was knowing an unbroken, deep closeness with God. Cries out as he faces God's judgment on our behalf. Apart from God. Jesus' cry of my God is a cry in the darkness. And here's the thing that I've only just clocked and and forgive me if it's really obvious to you and I'm just catching up. It's probably true. If it was dark until three in the afternoon and Jesus died around three in the afternoon that means when Jesus died the, the darkness lifted and the light returned. God's judgment has been done. Those who come to Jesus can live in the light and the presence of God. Jesus faces darkness so that we can live in light. Jesus' cry of my God in the darkness gives us a measure of God's love for us. How, how do you measure God's love for you? Well, you look to the depths of the darkness Jesus went Let's listen again to the words of Jesus' cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God. If I were to tell you today that I brought my boy along with me, it's a statement of fact, he's there. I think he's writing out his favourite hymn at the moment, as you do. It's a statement of fact, but there's in it a statement of relationship, isn't there? He's my boy. It's not just any old relationship, is it? It's it's a relationship of closeness, of affection. Whenever we speak of somebody, my wife, my husband, my son, my daughter, my mum, my dad, my love. It speaks of that closeness, of that affection. And from the very beginning of the story of the Bible, it was what God created people for. To be able to say, my God. God created us to know him, to love him, to worship him. To know a deep and real close relationship with him. And even after sin enters and disrupts and damages everything. The storyline of the Bible is God reaching out to the people he's made. Who have who've turned away from him and inviting them into A relationship, a covenant relationship with him where he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. The storyline of the Bible is God inviting people to turn to him and say, my God. And yet the storyline of the Bible is God's people failing to do that and to live up to that. And yet it is in God's good unfolding plan from before creation that he comes as Jesus, the one who, can, who has perfectly lived that out, the only one who in his own right could say, my God. You see, when Jesus cries out, my God, on the cross, we see not only a cry in the darkness, we also hear a cry of obedience. So when we hear... Uh, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders in in verse 41 of Matthew 27 saying, uh, 42 saying, he saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. When they they say that, they are much closer to the truth than they realise. Jesus is the one who has the power to save himself. Jesus is the one who has the right to save himself. And yet he willingly, obediently, trustingly chooses not to. I'm sure it's probably not news to you and we started the the service with it. But Jesus' cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Originates from Psalm 22. A psalm that speaks of someone undeservedly suffering for his trust in the, in the God he calls my God. The words are, are penned we're told by David and yet it's a psalm that goes far beyond anything David experienced and leads us to look upon Jesus on the cross crying out my God. Someone, the one, undeservedly suffering for his trust in the one he calls my God. Earlier on this week, in my home group, the kind of small group of people from, from church who we meet each week, we were looking at the next Psalm along, Psalm twenty three, probably one many of us might know off by heart, and has that line Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. I can say that. And I can always say that because of Jesus. And because the fact that there was a time when Jesus, as he died, when he couldn't say that. Jesus perfectly obeys. So that just as his death counts for me in taking God's judgment and turning it away, his obedience, his right living, his right life, his ability to say, my God, might count for me, might count for you. Perhaps it just shines a little bit of light on what it means when, when Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because doesn't he, that's what he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Do we not feel that after the year we've had? And what does Jesus offer? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for, you, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a cry that was cried out in the darkness. It's a cry that was cried out in obedience. And it's also a cry that can bring us hope. Jesus was forsaken by God so that you and I would never have to be. The final thing I want us to take a, a moment to reflect on from Matthew's account of Jesus on the cross is that the cry of my goods is, a, is a, a cry to stir hope in each one of us, even now. All of us will know times when life feels hard and difficult, painful and dark maybe you're in that place right now maybe you know that place times when God feels far away feels silent when it feels like God has left us on our own but if we belong to Jesus he will he will never leave us if you belong to Jesus you will never experience what Jesus did on the cross You will never experience the depth of darkness that he experienced that led him to cry out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Instead, those two words, my God, can be on your lips because they're the words of deep, close relationship with God. Our God. My God. When Jesus... we're we're told two things by Matthew happened verse 51 at that moment the moment Jesus gave up his spirit the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and we're told the earth shook and the rocks split what do we make of those The curtain of the, the temple was what surrounded the place where God's presence was said to dwell. It's where God's people could come near, but not too near, because of the issue of sin. They could draw close, but not too close. And this, this curtain, don't, don't think what's hanging up in your living room. As thick as, thick as a man's hand, as 30, 30, I can't remember the dimensions, but it involves 30 foot of material. It's a substantial thing. And it is torn from top to bottom. And there's the earthquake that splits open rocks. I wonder if we're being reminded again that there's a moment of judgment that's happening as Jesus dies. When when Jesus talked about the temple being destroyed earthquakes often being a picture of of god's judgment and yet it's a a judgment that for us brings hope the ripped curtain temple telling us there there is access to god for all we don't need to go to a particular building as precious as certain buildings might be to us to meet with god where do we meet with god how do we have access where do we go to to say my god we come to Jesus. The earth quake shook, the rocks split, and we're told the tombs broke open. Now, just out of interest, when was the last time you heard anyone preach on these verses? I was trying to think about this. I don't think I ever have. I think we often avoid them because I read those and I have so many questions. The the, the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city and appeared to many people. So many questions. And Matthew doesn't answer them because he's interested in something far bigger, far better. It's a, a picture of the judgment that Jesus takes the Ted to life now we might go well Matthew you're just getting a bit carried away and, and just writing a bit, of an, a, kind of, a bit of a fairy tale but if Matthew had written this and it had not happened pe- people would have thrown this out and yet it's been passed down to us a foretaste of what's to come at the resurrection and Jesus returns you might think we're jumping the gun that's, that's for Sunday and it is but it's for us today because Jesus is alive. The picture of the tombs breaking open, the bodies of the holy people being raised to life, a foretaste, a glimpse, the trailer to the film that's to come. See, my God is a cry that can give us hope, can give you hope right now, access to God. Life as it's meant to be, life with God. Life with God is your God, my God. I told the the centurion and those with him guarding guarding Jesus saw saw the earthquake. They saw all that happened, the darkness, the cry. They replied, surely he was the son of God. Why does Matthew put those words in the lips of a Roman centurion? Rather than a religious leader? Rather than one of God's people? rather than one of Jesus' disciples or the wider group of friends that followed why not, in the, why not on the lips of, of, of one of the Marys why Roman centurion who's the least likely person to say it maybe the least likely person we might expect to recognise who Jesus was and turn and say my God doesn't that give you hope No one's off limits. Not you. Not anyone in your household. Not anybody you know and love. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a cry in the darkness. It's a cry of obedience. And this afternoon it's a cry to give you hope.